0: Now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarrelling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and Prazites were also living in the land. At that time, so Abraham said to Lot, "Let's not have any quarrelling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left." Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, towards Zohar This was before the Lord Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan, and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan. While Lot lived among the cities of the plain, and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, Lift up your eyes from where you are, and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see, I will give to you, and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abraham moved his tents And went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. And then we turn to the New Testament, page 1209 in the Church Bible, uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Page 1209, Hebrews chapter 11. And we want to read the section uh, about uh, Abraham, beginning at verse 8. And this chapter is uh, dipping back into the Old Testament and bringing together a kind of photo album, if you want to put it like that, uh, of those who lived by faith uh, in the Old Testament, looking forward um, to the Christ uh, who would come. And so we read verse 8, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made us home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him Of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father, because he considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man. And he, as good as dead, came to sentence as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Amen. The passage we want to look at uh, tonight. And uh, tonight I want to speak to you on the theme, living by faith in the Son of God, in terms of making life choices. Life is full of choices. Some are trivial and unimportant. Uh, Should you have cornflakes or porridge for breakfast? Well, it doesn't really matter. Uh, It's a matter of taste and maybe a matter of how long you want to have energy for uh, throughout uh, the morning. If you want energy, I recommend the porridge. Should I wear this tie or another tie on the Sabbath day? From my selection of ties that my family provides me with, well, it's a matter of coordination. What matches uh, the shirt, the suit that I'm wearing. Should you move house, uh, change your car? Well, those are more important choices and they're matters of personal judgment. Should you choose this or that vocation? Should you marry this or that person? Should you attend a Presbyterian church or an independent church? Well, those are life choices that are major and have ongoing consequences for us. And so this evening, as we turn to Genesis chapter 13, I want to look at this chapter from this angle of life choices. Because here Abraham and Lot make life choices. And they're doing so as two believers. And these life choices that they make have a major influence on their future well-being. These two men have many many things in common they come from the same family Uh, their ancestor uh, is Terah their common ancestor they come originally from the Chaldees or the Babylonians Uh, they left Ur there in Babylon and they have travelled together up to Haran uh, on your map um, in Paddan Aram and now down into the land of Canaan they have the same occupation As we see in this chapter. They both have flocks of goats and donkeys uh, and sheep. They now uh, follow the Christ, both of them. Uh, And they have left behind the old false gods that they had worshipped in earth. Gods such as the moon uh, and other created things. But now in this chapter, crucially, we find them making significant and life-changing life choices. One chooses to follow a path that will lead to blessing and increased blessing. The other chooses to follow a path that will lead to spiritual impoverishment. And bring much spiritual misery to him and his family. And that's a very sobering reality for you and me this evening. That as Christians in making life choices. Can either be such that bring blessing to us. And to our children and to our church. Or they can be such that bring Impoverishment to us and to others. Why do these two men make choices with such different results? Well, the answer I believe lies beneath the surface, the answer lies in what's going on in their hearts and their minds. And there are things underlying, there are crucial differences. And we want to note those this evening. And they're outlined on the rear side of your order of service. I want us to think first of all about how these men have differing commitments. Or they differ in their commitments. Yes, they are each committed To the God of creation and salvation in Christ. There is no doubt about that. Uh, Both the Old Testament and the New Testament makes that clear. But their commitment is not to the same level. It's not to the same degree. It doesn't impact their lives to the same extent. We see that Abraham... We might say he's committed to the Lord lock, stock and barrel, through and through, heart, mind and soul. That doesn't mean he's a perfect man. We've already seen him stumble and we will see him stumble again. But there's something about this man that he will set the Lord continually before him. He has given up his land He's given up his family and his relatives to follow the Lord. Lot, on the other hand, although a believer, is not committed to the same degree or in the same way. And that is obvious from the account here in Genesis. It's a very subtle but a very significant difference. We read in Genesis 12, And verse 4. So Abraham left as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Notice those words. Went with him. Uh, In verse 5 we read of chapter 12. Abraham took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot. So he's taken As opposed to necessarily of himself deciding to go. Genesis 13 verse 1. We read. So Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife. And everything he had. And Lot went with him. Also uh, turn uh, to verse 5 of that same chapter. Now Lot who was moving about with with Abraham went with him. Abraham took Lot. Um, Lot went with him. Everything that we read about Lot begins with Abraham. It's almost a kind of second-hand, um, borrowed commitment that this man has. He does what Abraham does. He's a follower. He tags along. He needs somebody to lead him all the time. And if he's somebody to lead him, he'll do well. But if this man, as we'll see in a moment, has to stand on his own, then he does badly. He leans on Abraham for everything. Yes. He's a believer, but a follower, what we might sometimes refer to as a hanger-on. He believes the things that Abraham believes. He does what Abraham does. He goes where Abraham goes. But when Abraham's not there, he doesn't obey to the same degree. He doesn't believe to the same degree. He doesn't fall to the same degree. That's a very subtle but a very significant difference between these two men who are believers. They differ in their commitments. And we would be naive to think, or if we thought, that we weren't in danger of that subtle and significant difference among us today. Or within us today. And we need to ask ourselves tonight. And think tonight. Am I an Abraham? Or am I a Lot? Someone who follows along. Someone who does things. Because I see other Christians doing them. Or I know that's what Christians ought to do. As opposed to I do it out of conviction. And out of love and devotion to Christ. Uh, The result of this lack of conviction in his heart on the part of Lot is that when he is forced to decide for himself, he chooses wrongly. He chooses wrongly. Uh, And uh, we will see in a moment what that choice entails. His faith, at best, is very weak. He's what we might call an environmental Christian. Put him with Christians and he acts like a Christian. Take him away from Christians and it's much less obvious and clear that he belongs to Christ. Young people, it's a real danger. The young person who goes to scripture union in school because his friend goes. The children growing up in a Christian home and uh, here's a child who goes to church camp and see why, well, because my brothers or my sister has gone there before me. Or think of adult believers who believe things only because, well, that's what the church teaches. I don't necessarily believe it myself, but the church I belong to believes it. And so they, those they associate with believe it and they behave in a certain way while they're within that environment so that's the first thing that we want to see tonight about these men they differ in their commitment and we ask ourselves what about our commitment to the Lord is it that of Abraham Locke Stock, and Barrel, day in day out Whatever life brings, whether life is going well or going badly. Whatever choices I'm faced with and whatever opportunities I take, they will always be done for his glory. Or am I a lot, a hanger-on, a follower? The Apostle Paul, writing in Philippians, talks about Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. It's very, very important that we are fully convinced in our own mind. Not just doing things because other Christians do them. But then, secondly, let's notice how they differ in their priorities. Or when I was reflecting this this afternoon, I thought it might be a better title they differ in their choices. They differ in their choices. Although the two things are related. And and this follows on. If we differ in our commitments, in our hearts to the Lord, and Abraham following resolutely, a lot a hanger on, then it follows that they will differ in their priorities. They'll differ in their choices. Our commitments determine our priorities, don't they? Joel's committed to playing football on a Saturday. That means his priority has got to be to train several nights a week. Uh, Otherwise, he's not going to get selected. You see, commitment then influences his priority. And verses 8 and 9 reveal Abraham's priorities. What was it we saw this morning? His priority is to live as a Christian. When this quarrel um, arises, Abraham's big priority, his big concern is, we are brothers. And I've got to bring this truth to bear upon this situation. And so that influences then uh, the words he will speak, the choices that he makes and on that basis he said to Lot, verse 9, is not the whole land before you? So he gives Lot the first choice of the land. And we noted this morning in passing that here's Abraham showing his generosity and his open handedness. Here's a man who's big hearted. Here's a man who's first and foremost living for spiritual things, not material. Not material, it's the spiritual that drives this man and dominates his thinking. And you see, that brings us to the very heart of this man. Remember how Christ said, You cannot serve God and mammon, can't serve two masters. We can't serve God and material things, and that's not just true of the non Christian. And a choice that's got to be put before the non-Christian. Yes, it is absolutely true of the non-Christian. But it's also true for you and me who are believers. We cannot serve Christ and have material things at the same level. The material must always come under the spiritual. And you see, that's why Abraham's able to say, well, you take whatever part of the land you want. Even though the Lord has promised all the land to Abraham. Abraham is going to to hold to this principle. That um, we are brothers. He's going to lead the Lord to sort out the material. And if Lot chooses what really should be Abraham's. Then Abraham's going to trust the Lord to sort that out and to solve it. And so Lot, he's the very opposite. And for Lot, it's not the spiritual, it's the material that dominates his thinking. That's his priority. He doesn't say to Abraham, whenever Abraham offers him first choice, No, Abraham, you're the older man, and it'll be an offensive thing for me in our culture to choose before you. Because that is the case. You always give deference to age in Uh, In eastern culture. And you still do. Or Lot doesn't say. Oh no Abraham. The Lord promised you this land. And I'm here. Along with you. You choose first. Not at all. Look at what he does instead. Verse 10. We're told and Lot. Looked up. And saw that all the plain. Of the Jordan. Was well watered. Like the garden of the Lord. That's probably a reference back uh, to Eden. Like the land of Egypt. That's where they've just been. A very fertile good grain growing area. And so we're told then in verse 11. Here's really significant words. Uh, so Lot chose for himself. Lot chose for Himself, he's faced with a choice and he doesn't have Abraham to give the leadership and here now he is as a Christian and he's having to make a choice on his own and what does he think about first of all well it wasn't pounds and pence in those days but that's the sign that you see in his eyes for me it's the money where he could better himself Where he can prosper most, he sees only the material, he sees only the money, the profit, the prosperity. And he says, I can have that if I choose that land there. And he knows that he can do as well as the people of Egypt if he had similar land. Lot, you see, is possessed by his possessions. But Abraham, yes, he's a very rich man. But Abraham possesses his possessions. And that's a very, very vital distinction. Am I controlled by my possessions? And am I willing to give them away? Am I willing to lose them? For the spiritual, if that is necessary. Or do my possessions control me? The things I have that I will hold on to them. And that I will grab and want more. Verse 11. He chose for himself. And he set out towards the east. But look at verse 12. Here's Abraham's choice. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan. You see he's learnt something. From his time in Egypt. He has learnt. That he must. Make this his priority. Staying. In the land that the Lord has promised him. Holding on to the inheritance. That he has in the Lord. Not trying to carve out. An inheritance for himself. We are reminded are we not of the words of Christ our Saviour. What will it profit a man if he gain the whole world? What does it profit Lot to get this land uh, and uh, to do well materially and to be impoverished in his soul? What will it profit him to be enriched materially and impoverished spiritually? And that's what happens. And that's a danger today. It's a danger in our Western society where there's so much emphasis put on material things. On the new car, the better job, and moving up the career ladder, and the bigger house, and you start and you buy at one level, and then you move up, or actually as it's happening today, you often pitch in at the high level, um, beginning out in life. Without Any consideration, wealth, we will leave moving up to down the line, if that is God's will. And the danger is, the danger is that we are enriched materially, but we actually were damaged spiritually by the choices that we make and that open up before us in life. So let's ask ourselves tonight, what about our priorities? Is it the spiritual or is it the material? What about our choices in life tonight? Do our choices reveal that we are individuals, that we're men and women who are dominated by the spiritual, by our inheritance in Christ and what we have in Christ, what our family has in Christ and what the church has in Christ? So, if a better job or a larger house or a new car will mean that I have to work longer hours, if it means that I'm going to have less time to spend with my family, if it means that it's going to reduce my involvement in the church, then I'd say no to those material things. Whether it's a promotion or whether it is our family, husband and wife both being involved in work will always put the spiritual first and foremost. Making life's choices. These men differ. And they differ not only in their commitments but also in their choices. That brings us then thirdly and finally this evening to how these men differ in their inheritance. They differ in their inheritance. Their commitments lead to their choices, and their choices um, frames. Their inheritance. Now we're not talking here. About their inter- eternal inheritance. Tonight Abraham is in heaven. And tonight Lot is in heaven. But we are talking about their earthly inheritance. How they developed spiritually. And how effective they were In the service of their God and Saviour. What impact they had on their own family. And what legacy they left in the community in which they lived. So what inheritance does Lot obtain from his choice? Well look at verse 11 where it says, first of all, it begins by him journeying to the east And next we're told he dwells in the cities of the plain. And then we're told he pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. And notice how Sodom is described at this stage. The men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Now Canaan was no angel's paradise. Let's not be naive and let's not paint Canaan up. But Canaan is not a Sodom. And today, um, on this earth, we're not in heaven. But not every place in a town or in our province is an equally good place to live. I'm not talking now about the price of houses, the prospect of jobs, talking now about the spiritual tenor. And life uh, of a community. And so this community that saw, that Lot now chooses uh, or that he heads towards and he gets ever closer to. It's a community that is sinning greatly against the Lord. Lot makes his choice and goes to live in that kind of place, the edge of it. And if you read on, and we do need to just glimpse on at this stage, chapter 14, verse 12, he's actually moved into Sodom. He's now living in this place, later on, where there is this great sinning against the Lord. And if you move on again to chapter 19, verse 1, he's sitting in the gate of Sodom. This man is now involved in the town council. That's what it means to sit in the gate. And it would be a wonderful thing if Lot was there and he was being salt and light. But let's remember, Lot is not that kind of man. And you and I need to know ourselves. And if we are the person who finds it hard to stand strongly and firmly for the Lord then we need to be careful where we locate ourselves. We need to be careful. We'll not be able maybe to go to all the things that some other Christians can go to. Or to live where they live. Because we're not made of the same strong Christian robust character uh, and commitment. And you go on to chapter 19 and verse 14. And this man is given his daughters in marriage. To men from this place which God calls as a place sinning greatly against the Lord now there's no doubt about it Lot gets on well he does very very well for himself but in the process he does untold spiritual damage to himself his wife his family His children. And there's every likelihood. That the following generation. There was not any semblance. Of faith. Or morals at all. Francis Schieffer said that in one generation. You have strong Christian faith. And strong Christian morals. In the next generation. You can have the morals without the faith. And he then said in the third generation. You'll have neither the morals. Nor the faith. Now look at Abraham by contrast. How brightly he shines at this stage. Verse uh, 14 uh, we read. As Abraham makes his choice and he's going to stay in the land. He's going to hold on to his inheritance in the Lord. Uh, We read read then verse 14. The Lord said to Abraham. This is Christ speaking to Abraham. After Lot had parted from him. I don't think that Abraham found this parting easy. And I'm sure Abraham had pangs in his heart about this. Because he could see the direction that Lot was heading in. But could he stop him? Could he prevent it happening? Well the Lord speaks to Abraham and I believe he's bringing encouragement to him. Lift up your eyes from where you are. Remember we had that before when he came into the land. He says, I want you to look all around you. You've just experienced the loss of Lot, your brother. I want you to look around you. To the north and the south and the east and the west. Look in every direction. And this is your inheritance. Is that not important for us to remember? In this town... Let's keep looking to the north and the south and the east and the west. And let's remember that this is the inheritance that Christ has given to us as a church. And this is the place where we're to work and we're to witness and we're to pray and we're to labor. And we're to seek and believe that we have an inheritance given to us in this place by Christ. I think as I reflect upon this whole theme of an inheritance, we rightly steer away from the idea that in the New Testament there's one land that is the place of God's blessing. That's absolutely right. And and we think our inheritance is heaven. That's true. But I do believe, actually, that we um, overstate that to the point of Failing to realise that we have an inheritance now. We have an inheritance now. We have blessing that Christ wants to bring to us now. And he wants to make us a blessing now. And our choices determine whether we will enter into that blessing in all its fullness and in all its richness. Or whether we will live lives that, well, they are second rate. They're second rate, in terms of making a difference for Christ in our family and in our church and in our community. So let's see, and let's be encouraged here by Abraham again, and let's make the choices that he made, and let's realise that when we do that, that Christ. Is no man's debtor. Perhaps you're tonight as a non-Christian. You're not yet converted. And the struggle that's going on inside you is. If I seek Christ. And if I follow this drawing that's happening in my life towards him. Then am I going to be impoverished? What about the friends? What about the family? What about those who are not going to agree with me? not going to like what I'm doing, who perhaps will give me a hard time. And that may well happen. In fact, we're told that in this world we will have tribulation. But the reality is, you have an inheritance in Christ. And you have a new family if you come to Christ. Not that you forget your old family, but you have brothers and sisters in the church, and we enrich each other's life. And there's a blessing that we have in knowing Christ and in following Christ and in serving Christ now. Our inheritance is not just heaven. That's wonderful and glorious. But we have an earthly inheritance now. And so what do we how do we bring it all together tonight? Well, could we not pick up on the words uh, of Verse 9, where Abram said, "Is not the whole land before you. Not the whole land before you. Not the rest of your life stretching out before you. And you'll be faced, in the years which lie ahead, young people, you'll be faced with important choices. Your vocation, what you do, where you live, who you marry, those of us who are already in working life, we may be faced with life choices, whatever our age is. Let's learn that the choices we make do really matter. And let's learn that a believer should always choose, like Abraham, the spiritual inheritance first and foremost and the material Well, what does the scripture say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. The Lord will give us our daily bread. We're not to worry about what we eat or drink or what we wear. It's the pagans. It's the ungodly that runs after those things. Never with the material before the spiritual. A job, a house, a car, a marriage partner, anything, anyone before your inheritance in Christ. Because either it will lead you away from Christ or make you Follow at a distance or make it harder for you to serve God, to serve Christ. Be an Abraham and not a lot as a believer. Amen.